0: Thank you, choir. Told Brother Mike I'd just go ahead and start and kind of caught him off guard. But uh, anyway, thank you, choir. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, look to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We want to look at verses 25 through 27. I want to share with you a sermon that I'm just going, I've entitled, "Oh Come Let Us Adore Him, Let Us Adore the Crucifixion. Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him. Uh, taken from the, the Christmas hymn, O oh, Come All You Faithful, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him. This morning we want to adore His Crucifixion. Let Us Adore His Crucifixion. Taken from John chapter 19, verses 25 uh, through uh, 27. John 19, verse 25 through 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalena. So you had Mary, the mother of Jesus. You had Jesus' aunt Mary. And then you had another Mary, Mary Magdalena. Three Marys at the cross. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now there's a, there's a fourth person there, it happened to be a man. And John usually, well at all times, never referred to himself as personal name, John, but often referred to his name in in the book of John as the one to whom Jesus loved. And so you have three Marys, and then you have John. And they're standing at the cross during the crucifixion. Verse 26 again, When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, that's John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. He said to his disciple, which would have been John, Behold thy mother, and from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come together today to study your word in Bible fellowship. Then Lord, to come into this room here and to worship you and to praise you through praise, songs, and hymns. To be reminded about your first coming, to anticipate your second coming to adore you, Father, of all that you've ever done, who you are, what you've done, and what you're going to do, to just adore you, but then to reflect and adore the crucifixion. And so I pray that you would help me this morning, I pray, to deliver your word. Help me it in the right spirit, may I be led by your Holy Spirit, And Lord, teach us through your Holy Spirit this morning, and then I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to move upon us to the point that we would make the most important decision that we've ever made in our life. Those who have never trusted you to trust you as Lord and Savior of their life, and others, Father, who for some reason have kind of slipped away, walked away. Lord, today would be a homecoming for them as they come back to you. Thank you for what you're going to do in this service. Be with me. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And may we focus upon you and nothing else as we're here this morning. I know the devil will try to distract us in a number of ways, but help us, Lord, to keep focused on you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not die without the presence of some of his faithful followers. Here at the foot of the cross, when Jesus was shedding His blood, when Jesus was dying, we see a gathering of people. These people really were just adoring a dying Savior. They were standing. Now notice this little flock that gathered around the shepherd. First of all, there stood by the cross, verse 25, there stood by the cross His mother, His mother Mary. So His mother was there. Now, Mary was the one the angel came to. The angel came to Mary, this Mary, and the angel said the Holy Spirit is going to place in your womb the Christ child. Think of that. You're going to give birth to the Messiah of Israel. That was the message from an angel to this mother of Jesus standing there at the cross. And so Mary is standing now as her son is dying on the cross. Now in verse 25, the Bible says, There stood his mother. Now our Lord came into this world in a very miraculous way. He was born of a virgin. And I believe as Mary is standing there, she's standing there there and she's pondering God's ways. If you remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, after the angels came and made the announcement, after the shepherds had made their visit and had left, after the multitudes came and sang, Glory to God and the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. After everyone had left, the scripture says that Mary kept those things and she pondered them in her heart. That word "pondered" means she considered; she just considered. And so, after Jesus was born, his his parents, and I believe she was still considering those things while he was dying on the cross. And, and you know, when he was born, after he was born, his parents carried him to the temple to be dedicated, to be presented to God. In Luke chapter two, verse twenty-two. And there was a man there in the temple. The choir just sang about him. I appreciate Rachel leading the choir in Simeon. There was this old man in the temple by the name of Simeon. And Simeon is one of the real parts of the Christmas story. Because Simeon was one of the remnant. I mean, all down through time, all down through church history, there's always been a remnant. There have always been those who, who, who had the Lord in their heart who believed in the coming Messiah, who believed and, and they, they practiced the truth. And even through the 400 years where the Bible called the silent years between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, when our Lord came into this world, there were some, even then, who were waiting and expecting and believing that the Messiah, the Christ child, would come. And Simeon were was one of those people. And so, friend, Simeon, he would come to the temple every day expecting the Christ child to arrive. Can you imagine that? And the Bible says that on this day, when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph came to the temple for his dedication, Simeon recognizes who Jesus is, and he takes the baby in his arms, and he begins to worship the Lord, and then he says, in essence, I'm ready to die. If you would, look at Luke chapter 2. Let's look at this just for a moment. Luke chapter 2, verse 28, gives this account. It says, then, speaking of Simeon, then took he him up in his arms. So he takes Jesus up into his arms He blessed God and said in verse 29, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of the earth, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. And so he finally got to see, and he recognized somehow the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke to him at this time and said, this is the Christ child. And in essence, he says, Lord, now I'm ready to die. But but afterwards, in verse 35, if you, if you notice, he had a prophecy for Mary. He said in verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so now, as Mary is standing there by the cross, as Jesus is being crucified pondering the ways of God. No doubt, while she's standing there, the words of Simeon came back to her to bless her and to comfort her because of all of this had been revealed as the will of God. So when Jesus Christ was born, it was a time of celebration. But at the same time, I believe the words of Simeon had always caused a little sadness in the heart of Mary. You know, I wondered, I wondered when Joseph and Jesus were in the carpenter shop and they'd be driving nails, they'd be making something. If, if you, if, if you, did you ever wonder, and I wondered, did, did Mary, when she'd look in that carpenter shop, did she ever think about what Simeon said to her in regards to the prophecy she made? You know, years ago, there's, there's this framed picture, and we have a slide of that. And I remember seeing this years ago of Jesus, a portrait of an artist. Jesus as a little boy playing with a nail. Joseph in the background making something with a hammer and nail. And if you'll notice the way the light's coming through the window there, you'll see the cross. It projects a cross behind Jesus. And when you look at the full portrait, you'll see Mary standing in a doorway looking at Jesus and Joseph. I just wondered, I just wondered, standing there at the cross, looking at Jesus being crucified, pondering the things, the ways of God, if she did not think about that prophecy that Simeon made. John 19, verse 25. You know, um, she's uh, standing there. I mean, she's, she's, she's just standing there. You know, I thought of that picture. And I thought about, you know, I, I read this illustration about during World War II, families were separated for long periods of time. And, and um, even like today and the wars have gone on during our period of time, little children were being born. And they were being born while their fathers were off uh, on the battlefield. And they really didn't know what their fathers looked like. For a long period of time. But the mothers would take a portrait during World War II. And they'd show the children just to remind them. This is your father. This is what your father looks like. He's coming home one day. And during World War One, World War II. They didn't get to come home like they, they come home now. And they're redeployed and they go back. But every day... This particular illustration told how this mother would take her son to this big frame picture on the wall, and she'd say to this son, Listen, that's your dad, that's your dad, and one day your dad's coming home again. One day you're going to see your dad again. He's all fighting for our freedom. And one day this little boy replied to her when she said that, and he said, I wish he could step out of that frame right now. You see, for centuries, men looked up into the skies, into a starry sky, into a starry universe. And it was framed by the creation that God created. And no doubt they said, you know, I wish God could step out of that frame. I wish that I could know God. I wish I could experience God. And then one dark night in a little village named Bethlehem, God decided to step out of the frame and come to earth. Jesus Christ decided to come to earth, not just to be a martyr, but he came to die on the cross by divine appointment to shed his blood as payment for our sin. And as as he was bleeding and as he was dying, he, he bore on his own shoulders all of our sin and all of our pain and all of our brokenness. And as this mother Mary stood standing at the foot of the cross, I believe, as she was adoring her son, I believe that she gets it. I believe that she realizes now for sure why Jesus Christ came to earth. Notice, she she wasn't cowardly under the cross or below the cross, but she was standing by the cross. She was standing alone. Joseph undoubtedly had died. Jesus was the oldest son. She had no one to take care of her, no no government assistance, no welfare. But this woman who gave birth to the Son of God bravely stood at the cross. Now, in a few moments, we're going to have an invitation hymn. And Jesus Christ simply said this. He said, if you confess me before men on earth, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And when I give the invitation to Him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to come down here around the altar, come down here and publicly confess your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says it's time for the redeemed of the Lord to say so. To say so. In other words, it's time to stand up and and be counted as the redeemed of the Lord. It's time to stand up in school. It's time to stand up in our universities, our colleges. It's time to stand up at work. It's time to stand up in our neighborhood. It's time to stand up around the flagpole. And I believe it's time for the redeemed to stand up and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. He came into this world to die on the cross. He was buried. He arose again. He came to be the propitiation for sin, the, the supreme sacrifice for sin. And He died for me, and He's my Savior. It's time for the redeemed to say so. But notice here, there's, there's someone else standing there you, uh, not just the Mary the Mother of Jesus, but you have Mary Magdalena. Now Mary Magdalena, you know I believe that Mary Magdalena was uh, a de- he, she was there adoring the Savior. I believe she was adoring the Savior for a different reason than Mary the Mother of Jesus, because this woman, Mary Magdalena, she had one time been possessed with seven demons, seven demons. Luke chapter 8, verse 2 refers to her being possessed with seven demons. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, possessed with seven demons. And I've also read about those who were possessed with just one demon or two or three demons and the havoc those demons had over them or reaped over them. I remember reading about two men who were possessed with two demons. I mean, they, they abandoned their family. They abandoned their friends. They had this supernatural strength. They lived among the tombstones in the cemetery. They were driven mad by these demons. No one could embrace them. They wore chains. They were naked. They had no sense of decency. They were dominated completely by these demons. Two or three. Then you had this young boy who was possessed with one spirit, one demonic spirit. And his dad went to Jesus, and his dad was concerned about his son, and he says, my boy is completely controlled by this demonic spirit. Sometimes he jumps in water, and I'm afraid he's going to drown. Sometimes he jumps in, jumps in the fire, and I'm afraid he's going to be burned up. But here's a woman that had seven, seven demons. You see, Jesus has power over all demons. There, there, listen, you need to remember, there is a real devil and there are real demons. This real devil is served by real demons. It's not make-believe. Anyone who does not know Jesus Christ, how serious it is, anyone who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior has no resistance against the devil and his demons. If you're without Christ, you have no resistance against the devil and the demons. You have no weapon against the devil and his demons. You have no ability to restrain the devil and his demons. You have no way to refuse, to repulse the devil and his demons. Because demons will dominate you, they'll possess you, they'll cloud your mind, they'll harden your heart, they'll distract you from being saved, where you will not receive the gospel. You have no power apart from Jesus Christ over the devil and demons. That should be frightening. Now, even the people of God can be oppressed by the devil. But a child of God can never be possessed by the devil because the Holy Spirit and the devil can't live in the same house together. So there's a number of God's people today who are oppressed by things that possessed them before they came to know Jesus Christ. They are, they are, they are uh, oppressed by fear, oppressed by worry, oppressed by anxiety, oppressed by grudges, oppressed by unforgiveness, oppressed by anger, oppressed by unforgiveness, oppressed by... Uh, the list goes on and on all and any other thing that might have control of you. But the Bible says there was one standing at the cross, a woman who, she was not like she used to be. she had been delivered. She had had seven demons. You see, Jesus Christ has power over all demons. The little boy that had the demon, Jesus said, come out of him. He came out of him. The gathering uh, demoniacs, those that had two or three. The demons said, hey, we don't, don't throw us down into the pit. We know we've got to come out, but don't throw us in the pit. And Jesus threw them into a group of pigs. And that group of pigs, filled with the demons, ran down into a lake and drowned themselves. That's what demons want to do with your life. They want to make your life like a pig. They want you to live like a pig and die like a pig and then miss heaven and any hope of eternity by rejecting jesus christ so when mary magdalena met jesus he spoke and these demons left and her life was changed and now she's standing at the cross and she understands the cost what the cost was to get those demons out of her body and she's adoring the savior Listen, friend, there's a lot of people, perhaps some here today, that Jesus Christ has delivered, and you have a testimony about it. And You have a testimony in how Christ broke the bondage of Satan in your own life. And if it was the power of the cross, it has to be the power of the cross and nothing else that breaks the power, demonic power, over a person's life. Let me just say this, if you've been freed and you've been been delivered from the demonic powers of Satan and his demons, you don't go back there. You don't have to go back there. You can say goodbye to meth. You can say goodbye to cocaine. You can say goodbye to alcohol. You can say goodbye to adultery. You can say goodbye to fornication, pornography, lust, gossip, fear, anxiety, depression, and all that other mess of hell. You can say goodbye to that. You don't have to go back, and you can thank God today that you've been freed from the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You don't have to go back. So you have the mother of Jesus. She was there. You have Mary Magdalena. She was there. And then you have this another Mary there. Verse 25. Mary, the wife of Cleopas. That's that's Mary's sister. She's the mother. You remember, she's the mother of James and John, the wife of Zebedee. And so she's there. James and John, they loved their mother, and she loved their sons. And if you remember in Matthew twenty, verse twenty, she came to Jesus, and she had a special request of Jesus. You know what she said? She said, "Jesus, I need to ask you something. When you come into your kingdom, could my boy sit on the right? Could one sit on the right, and others sit on the left? Place of honor." And Jesus said, really, you don't know what you're asking about. You don't don't know what's got to take place before we sit down and talk about crowns and, and, and thrones. Can you imagine that? But you know, I believe when she was standing there at the foot of the cross, I believe she remembered what she had said that day. Asking those requests for her sons. And I believe she thought how petty that was. What I asked Jesus for then and what he's doing for me now. How could I have been so petty that I wanted to talk about the seating arrangements in the kingdom of heaven for my sons and now he's being crucified for the world. Here's the point. The cross will deliver you from your pettiness. Think about all the pettiness that we have in our life. Think about being, think about what consumes your time that's just petty. Think about pettiness of jealousy. Think about the petty things that, that, uh, of hard feelings that causes hurt feelings. Think of all the, the petty things. Think about the pettiness that you have in church. I see so much of it. You know, people get all bent out of shape. Sometimes when they're asked to move from one classroom to another classroom. How petty can you be? Or maybe to change a classroom from one classroom to another classroom for the sake of growing disciples and and building the kingdom of God and people get all bent out of shape. How petty is that? Think of the pettiness. Someone, maybe you come into church and you've got your favorite place and somebody is set in your seat and, and you don't even know them. And it just rips you from one end to the other. How petty can you be? Can you imagine how she felt? wanting requesting for her two sons to have special seats in the kingdom, and now here Jesus is dying on the cross. You know what the point is? When you're standing at the cross, and when you see the big picture, Jesus Christ, see him dying in agony and in shame, it's all about Jesus, and it's not about you. That's the big picture. It's about him being happy. Not you. It's about him being pleased, not you. It's about souls being saved and disciples being made and worshiping him and adoring him. It's kind of what he said to his mother Mary. You notice that? He said, Woman, behold your son. Here's the point get your eyes off yourself and get them on Jesus. So you had your three Marys, Mary, Mary, Mary. But in closing, you had this guy by the name of John, verse 25, the special disciple. Now, if you remember about John, he kind of slipped out of the picture for a while when Jesus was rested there at the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, verse 26 says it this way All of his disciples forsook him and fled. Well, John was included in the all. They left. The point is. John's now standing at the cross. He came back. So if you're truly a disciple, there may be a time that you slip away. But if you're really his, you're going to come back. That's what Jesus is saying. Because you see, John could not stay away. And so when he comes to the cross, he's standing there. Basically, he's saying, I'm standing here. I'm recommitting my life to you, Lord, because I lost my way, and I recognize I lost my way, and I'm back. And so he comes back to stand. And so there's a place of yieldingness. There's a place of first commitment. And so as we close today, is, is God in all of this room not speaking to somebody? Who in the past year, somewhere, somehow along the way, you lost your way spiritually. You've closed your Bible, you stopped your praying, you stopped your serving, for some petty reason. Stop serving the Lord, stop pleasing the Lord. So today you need to get right with God if you've lost your way. You know, Christians stumble. We say goofy stuff. We make bad decisions. But, But the cross, you know, someone says, God's a God of second chances. I couldn't disagree more. God is not the God of the second chance or the third chance. God is the God of unlimited chances. Aren't you glad today that when you stray from the foe, the good shepherd's always anxious for that one sheep to come back home. So I'm asking you, if you've made some bad decisions, if you've stumbled and fallen, you need to come back to Jesus. Don't put it off any longer. I'm going to close with this. I love Christmas trees. I really do. I used to go out with my dad and we'd hunt Christmas trees. Scouting, when I was in scouting, we saw Christmas trees up on the corner by the old basement barbershop in Rossville. Go back a long way. But we like Christmas trees, and I love decorate Christmas. I like live Christmas trees. <clears throat> and I like to put lights around my Christmas tree. I don't like those built-in lights. I have to buy trees too many times, keep going out. But I like Christmas trees. And I've been asked from time to time, <clears throat> will we have a Christmas tree in the church? You may wonder that. And you come in here and this is a sanctuary. I think we've lost the holiness of God's house in a lot of ways. I really do. God says, be holy as I am holy. The word holy don't mean perfect. It means separate. <clears throat> and this place is holy, separated unto the Lord. It's where His people gather to worship. The Lord's Supper table, that's, that's holy. That's separated unto the Lord. And uh, we have a Christmas tree. God, did you know God had the first Christmas tree? He did. He had the first Christmas tree. Sure did. And He didn't put a star at the top. He put the light of the world on His tree. He didn't hang ornaments on His tree. But He hung His only begotten Son on His tree. He didn't put presents around His tree. But He said that anyone that would come to His tree that he promised to give them eternal life, free. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so I asked some of the ladies in the church this past week, I said, if you don't care, let's, let's just move the manger to the cross because the tree is really not our symbol." but it's the cross. So let's move the manger to the cross and let's connect the manger to the cross. They do a beautiful job of that. And I believe with all of my heart God's pleased with this. So do we have a Christmas tree? (laughs) You bet we do. We got a beautiful tree. Do we have ornament? Yeah. Do we have a star? Have a light? Yeah. Do we have an ornament? Yeah. Have yeah, Jesus, supreme sacrifice, hanging on God's tree. Do we have a gift around it? Have the gift of eternal life for those that will come to the tree. So this morning, have you trusted Jesus? Have you come to the tree? Have you given Christ your life? If we know anything at all, we know that Jesus was born. He came, he died, he was buried, he arose, and he's coming again. I promise you. You know why? He promised it. So this morning, let me encourage you to experience Christmas in a new way. Come to the tree, his tree, where his son died for you, for the whole world. Trust him and him alone. And when you die you'll receive that free gift of eternal life. It's in Jesus Christ. That's Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.